Welcome back. I'm Michelangelo Ciorelli on Sirius XMLQ 109. We've, of course, been talking for weeks about the National Security Agency surveillance story. Edward Snowden, the National Security Agency uh, former contractor who leaked this uh, information showing Americans uh, being surveilled by the federal government, by the Obama administration. Glenn Greenwald, the reporter uh, who broke that story with an interview uh, with Ed Snowden in the Guardian, Guardian reporter, joining me uh, once again on the program. Glenn, welcome back to the show. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. It's been obviously an incredible and important uh, discussion that people need to have, that the American people from all of the polls want to have about government surveillance. And yet we've seen distortions, distractions, uh, really a lot of attempts within the media and certainly uh, by the Obama administration to take this story somewhere else. Uh, The latest today, we see a story quoting you uh, in the Associated Press saying that uh, Edward Snowden has sensitive NSA blueprints, uh, a story from Reuters uh, from a couple of days ago saying that if he reveals what he has, it could be a nightmare for the U.S. government, both of them implying uh, blackmail on the part of both Edward Snowden and you, and, and really kind of taking this story uh, once again in a different direction. You say this is an absurd distraction. Yeah, I knew when when I began reporting the story, and I actually wrote one of the very first days that the technique the U.S. government uses and its media allies use against any whistleblower, anybody who discloses things that they're doing in the dark that they shouldn't be doing or they want concealed, is to distract attention away from the substance of the revelations by demonizing the people, the journalists, and the whistleblowers who are working to expose it. And so this is all inevitable. And this weekend was probably the most extreme and obvious distortion, really a fabrication on the part of Reuters, which is then what led to the AP article that I've seen yet. That Reuters article was a, about a, an interview that I gave in the Spanish daily La Nación, which is published in Argentina and Mexico. And it was published in Spanish, so Reuters took the article and then summarized it, and then U.S. media figures are using the summary of it, um, which is extremely inaccurate, rather than the original article, the original interview. And what I said in the interview was two things. Number one is they asked me why um, well, about the, the argument that um, Snowden has a, an intent to harm the United States or to place the United States in jeopardy. And I said that this claim was completely irrational and was negated by all the relevant evidence. And the reason I said that that was true was because he has in his possession all kinds of documents that could actually bring serious harm to the United States government, not to national security, not to the American people, but to the U.S. government, if it were published. And he hasn't published any of it. And in fact, not only hasn't he published any of it, when he brought the information to us, he was insistent that we exercise extremely judicious journalistic um, analysis to withhold any material that might cause harm. This is, has been his um, insistent uh, demand over and over and over. And so the point I was making was he isn't threatening the United States. He isn't blackmailing the United States. The point is that those who are claiming that he's trying to harm the United States have no idea what they're talking about because he has in his possession lots of material that could do that. And if his intention were to do that, he could have sold it. He could have given it to a foreign government. He could have disclosed it himself. And he's been very vehement that it not be disclosed, and we've been very responsible in our reporting. The second point that I made was I was asked by the reporter from La Nación, 
do I think that the United States government will try and kill Edward Snowden? And I said, look, of course, I mean, it's possible, anything's possible, but that I didn't think it was likely. And the reason I don't think it's likely is because he has previously said that he wants to make sure that everything is being reported responsibly with this information, and it has been reported responsibly with this information. But if but that he has taken insurance to protect himself against just the most extreme kind of attack that might be taken that might take place, a sort of attack violently on him and attempt to kill him, so that if that were to happen, there would be more disclosures than would be responsible. Um, and so I said, if I were the U.S. government, I would be hoping and praying that he actually stays healthy rather than trying to kill him, because the way that he's ensured these this reporting happens is extremely responsible. So to take that and say we're blackmailing the United States or we're threatening the United States is the exact opposite of the point I made, which is that he has been very committed as a whistleblower to making sure that all of this material is being publicized and reported in the most responsible way possible. It it seemed very sensational, and that's certainly something we see uh, happen in the media a lot. But there also have been diversions and, um, and, and attempts, it seems, to just kind of shut the story down. Uh, there was a very, uh, I, I thought, perplexing uh, commentary from Melissa Harris-Perry, uh, who is on MSNBC uh, and is part of their progressive lineup of talk show hosts. She wrote a letter uh, to Edward Snowden uh, that she posted on her website of, of MSNBC and also uh, obviously did it as a monologue on the show in which she basically accuses him of making the story something else by, by being on the run, by uh, going to Moscow. She says, uh, I hear you're looking for a country. Uh, I have an idea for you. How about this one? Come on back to the USA. And she basically makes the point that he's keeping the story from really being about uh, government surveillance by making the story about himself. And she also puts out this idea that he needs to face the consequences. That's the term she uses uh, and 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 come back and and I guess be prosecuted and go to jail. You responded to that as well. Right. So look, if you're somebody who's a loyalist of uh, the Obama administration, as most of NBC, MSNBC is, and that's not me saying that, that's Bill Clinton who said it, he said that MSNBC is our version of Fox, um, an MSNB, a former MSNBC producer, Jeff Cohen, who worked for the Donahue Show, came out and, and wrote in the Huffington Post and said MSNBC is essentially the official outlet of the U.S. government, meaning the Obama administration. So if you're somebody who's a loyalist to the Obama administration, what you want more than anything, you are desperate to distract attention away from these disclosures. So just this morning, for example, there's a disclosure that the motto of General Keith Alexander, who runs the NSA, is, quote, collect it all, meaning gather up all telephone calls, emails, electronic communication, monitor, collect it, and store it. And this tactic was first pioneered by him in Iraq when he was in the Iraq War, and he has now transported it onto U.S. soil. So everywhere in the world, these disclosures, such as the one we reported last week about the collusion between Microsoft and the NSA that nobody knew about, all over the world, this is being reported and discussed by foreign media everywhere. When I do interviews with foreign media, all they want to ask me about is the substance of the disclosures. But in the United States, either because media figures are loyal to the Obama administration or the U.S. government, they want to talk about everything but that. So all they want to do is talk about 
Ed Snowden's asylum choices or his supposed personalities or these fabrications about blackmail and threats. And the ridiculousness of it is highlighted by exactly what you just said. Melissa Harris-Perry is somebody who has a television show on a major cable network twice a week, and she's free to talk about whatever she wants to talk about. She's completely free to talk about the fact that the NSA is trying to collect all electronic communications in the world and destroy privacy globally, or the collusion between the MS, uh, the, the, between Microsoft and the NSA, or the bulk collection of telephone records, which not even the Patriot Act allows. Nobody is stopping her from talking about that, but because she doesn't want to talk about that, and because other U.S. media figures want to distract attention away from what we're reporting about the government, she instead spends her time on trivialities and personalities, like where Edward Snowden, what countries he should go to, and then she has the audacity to blame him as though he somehow is preventing her from talking about what she claims to find important. And this has been going on and on forever now. I mean, I've written, I think, 12 stories in The the Guardian, plus three others in the Brazilian press, about the substance of the NSA stories. My colleague, Laura Poitras, has written several others in Der Spiegel about spying in Germany. Um, And there's been very little discussion of any of that in the U.S. media instead of focus on... Um, on Edward Snowden. Well, and of course, uh, media, certainly doing uh, reporting, uh, journalism, reporting on all the various facets of the story, you can understand that they're reporting on uh, Edward Snowden's fate and, and his travels and where he's going and asylum. But when you have a talk show and it's about your commentary and your opinion, you can focus on you know, any facts that you want. And if you feel there should be an important discussion, you can discuss it. I do it every day on this show. She she uh, said in her letter, we could be talking about whether uh, accessing and monitoring citizen information and communications is constitutional or whether we should continue to allow a secret court to authorize secret warrants using secret legal opinions. But we're not. We're talking about you, meaning Ed Snowden, and flight paths between Moscow and Venezuela and how much of a jerk Glenn Greenwald is. I, I thought that was enormously personal an attack on you. Right. Well, look, I mean, I used to go on MSNBC all the time from 2007, 2006 to 2009 when I was reporting on the civil liberties abuses of the Bush administration, and nobody on MSNBC would ever thought, ever thought about calling me a jerk. So the fact that I've spent the last three years reporting instead on the civil liberties abuses of the Obama administration changes the universe for partisan hacks who are on MSNBC, whose role is to defend the president and the White House. So I understand where that's coming from and don't take it personally. But I think that what you just read is is laughable. Um, she's saying that we're not talking about the substance of the NSA stories, but instead are talking about you. And the reason that that's the case is because that's what she's choosing to talk about. Um, she should and could be talking about the substance of what has been revealed. Um, the reason it's been revealed is because Edward Snowden came forward to reveal it and because we at The Guardian have been aggressively reporting it. It's a little weird to say we're happy about these disclosures, but let me spend all my time attacking the people who made this transparency possible. But so be it. She can attack me all she wants, but as a journalist, anyone who wants to call themselves a journalist should be spending the bulk of their time on what we've exposed about this mass indiscriminate spying program being built in the dark by the NSA. The Edward Snowden story, where he is, and and his efforts to seek asylum, that is a legitimate news story. Nobody's saying that shouldn't be talked about. It shouldn't be at the expense, though, of what is, without question, one of the most consequential series of disclosures in in recent political journalism, which is the light we've shined on what the NSA is doing. 
And MSNBC, uh, again, kind of positions itself as this progressive network, uh, as you said, certainly during the Bush years, taking on those abuses and, and having you on uh, as a guest. Uh, Jeff Cohen, you mentioned him earlier, uh, founder of the watchdog group Fairness and Accuracy in Reporting, FAIR, also used to work at MSNBC. He wrote a piece on Huffington Post about how the entire Edward Snowden story ha- has basically been uh, distorted by MSNBC into this other uh, drama and not reported on, uh, largely because, as you're pointing out, there is an allegiance to the Obama administration. Do you think that's all of it, or is there, you know, all of these companies, Comcast is the major owner of uh, MSNBC, General Electric still has a 49% Uh, share of the company. I mean, they all are, you know, connected into this story in terms of the surveillance. Right. Absolutely. I mean, you know, look, MSNBC's partisan hackery is very well known. Nobody needs me to describe it. You know, it was Barack Obama himself at the White House Correspondence Center a couple months ago who joked, and the reason the joke worked was because it was based in truth when he said, you know, my former aide, David Axelrod, is now working for MSNBC, which is a nice change of pace because for a long time MSNBC worked for David Axelrod. So everybody knows what MSNBC is. They have some great journalists, Chris Hayes and Alex Wagner during the day, and there's a couple of others. Um, Rachel Maddow does some good reporting, but uh, sometimes. But, you know, in general, uh, that's the purpose of that outlet, just like the purpose of Fox during the Bush years is to defend the Bush administration. So nobody should be surprised by their conduct. They're fulfilling their function. But I think you're absolutely right that that's just a small part of the story. One big part of the story is that our media, the United States media, is very beholden and subservient to the U.S. government. Their instinct is to defend the U.S. government and to attack anybody who meaningfully challenges it or dissents from it. I mean, you saw with WikiLeaks, for example, and Bradley Manning, when there were hundreds of thousands of diplomatic cables filled with incredibly newsworthy revelations, all they wanted to do was to demonize Manning and, and WikiLeaks for having the temerity to expose the secrets and shine transparency and light on what the U.S. government is doing, which is supposed to be the U.S. media's job. And instead, they're more hostile to people who actually do that job than anybody else because it's really a pro-government authoritarian media. They're really spokespeople for those in power. Um, but I also think what you, the, the other point that you made is also true, which is that they're owned by large corporations. And these large corporations need to have very constructive relationships with the U.S. government because there's all sorts of ways that they profit and benefit from relationships with the United States government beyond just their media division. Their media division is just one part of their overall corporate business, and the rest of it depends in lots of ways on access to and, and staying in favor with the U.S. government and people who are employees in these media corporations understand that they are not there to do the sorts of things that we at The Guardian have been doing, which is angering top-level U.S. officials from the national security state by publishing the things that they want to keep secret. They're there to do the opposite, to defend those government officials and to stay loyal to them and to keep positive relations with them. That's how they get their access. That's how they keep their contracts. That, too, is their function. And, and so, honestly... I knew that these media attacks were going to come when we started off on this reporting, um, but I think if you look at polls showing that majorities of Americans view Edward Snowden as a whistleblower and not a traitor, 
um, or if you look at the way in which we have sparked a worldwide debate, literally around the world in all sorts of countries, serious debates and efforts at reform to protect their citizens' privacy, we are doing exactly the thing that journalism is, is intended to do. And however much you know, cable, TV personalities and, and talk show hosts want to attack me or attack Snowden or attack the story is, is almost irrelevant at this point. Both you and uh, Bradley Manning are, are gay. Um, that has been reported and open and, and known. And yet we've you seen it. You didn't just break a story? Excuse me? You didn't just break a story that's already out there? <laughs> it's been weaved into the story, though, sometimes uh, in ways that is reminiscent to me of, of the smears of the 1950s against critics of the government portraying them as, you know, communists or dirty homosexuals. Now, of course, in the time of gay marriage, uh, it's not quite enough to say you're gay and you're open, you know, you're open about it anyway. So we've seen these smears against you in other ways. There was a supposed revelation that you were in a business uh, relationship with a gay porn um, company, uh, somebody who was connected with a gay porn company. I, I wanted you to address that because I, I do think there's an element there of smear and, 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 and kind of connecting the gay element. Oh, unquestionably. I mean... You know, I I, my, I remember my partner and I when I was in Hong Kong, and I received the documents for the first time and understood the full breadth of what I had received and and what I was going to be able to report on, and just how unparalleled, really unprecedented of a of a journalistic story this was going to be. I spent two or three hours with my partner on the phone discussing all the ramifications of what this was likely to mean for my life and for his and for ours, and and one of the um, things that we discussed was that my past was going to be dug into, dug into, and that um, people are going to try and find whatever they could. Um, and so that was completely predictable, and we expected that, and made the choice to to do this. Um, it wasn't really even a choice, um, knowing that that sort of thing would happen. But you're absolutely right. I mean, the idea, for example, that having an interest in a corporation that owns um, an interest in uh, adult videos. Uh, this isn't newsworthy at all, standing alone. I mean, for one thing, every large hotel chain in the United States, Marriott and Sheridan and Hilton, all make money off of uh, the sale of, of adult videos. Um, if you go to any of those hotels, you see them on your television. When you purchase them, the hotel makes money off them. Um, the Internet has long been, I mean, the adult videos and pornography are one of the, the biggest sources of business on the Internet and always has been since the advent of the Internet. You know, anybody who tried to make fun of uh, and use that story probably did so in between using the Internet for their own adult video viewing. And so adult video um, and pornography standing alone really isn't enough of a smear to even be worth doing. It absolutely was the fact that it was gay adult video um, that made it, uh, in the eyes of the New York Daily News and whoever said it to them, um, something that they thought was worth uh, trying to effectively attack me with. And I think there's unquestionably an element of homophobia to talking about the specific titles, to highlighting the, the homoerotic aspects of it. Um, and you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, there's, you know, it's not enough anymore to just say this is a homosexual, um, but there's much more subtle and sometimes more insidious ways that it's done. And I think that was a good example. We've talked a lot. Uh, you've been on the show uh, many times over the past few years. We've talked a lot about uh, the Defense of Marriage Act and um, the fact that you live outside the country uh, with your partner because he is not a U.S. citizen. Uh, he's a Brazilian uh, citizen. And, of course, DOMA 
prevented you from being able to sponsor him for a green card. Uh, now DOMA's gone. Are, are you going to be moving back to the U.S.? It's certainly something that we're discussing. Um, you know, we've obviously lived here together for eight years and have built a life here. His whole family is here. Um, he's in school, finishing school. Um, so it's not, you know, the sort of decision that in the two weeks since Doma, the Doma, that since Doma was struck down, you just instantly make and execute. Um, but wanting, you know, moving to the United States, living in the United States is something that we both have wanted the option for sure to have and is definitely something that, you know, we would like to do at some point. And so undoubtedly, um, that will happen in the future. We just are, you know, we have a life here, um, and, and so it's a complicated factor, complicated factors that have to get assessed, but sure, it's definitely possible. How have you been handling all of this? This catapulted you. You, you obviously uh, knew that it was going to, you know, create this kind of attention, as you just talked about. You, you discussed it with your partner, how it was going to go into your past and every aspect of your life. How, how have you been uh, handling it? Well, it's definitely been, you know, easily the most intense, um, you know, six or seven weeks of my life, obviously. Um, there have been, you know, every day there's multiple very consequential choices that you have to make. Um, I'm sure I've chosen wrongly in a few situations, made, you know, some, some consequential mistakes, and, and I'm sure that will continue to happen. Um, there's been, you know, threats and attacks from every angle. Um, all of that was predictable, and I'm, you know, I feel like I'm in a good position to withstand those and to handle them and to understand why they're being made and, and they don't really bother me. Um, but sure, it's been, it's been tense. At the same time, um, you know, the reason I went into journalism is because I believe that there are very serious issues that um, involve um, radical and secret U.S. government behavior that has been getting insufficient attention. Um, I thought that journalism was insufficiently adversarial to the U.S. government, and I've specifically spent years trying to warn people about the massive surveillance state being built and the dangers that it poses to domestic and, and global privacy. And so to be able to access thousands of documents, secret documents, that essentially prove all those points that enable me to have a, a bigger voice um, in having those points heard that I think are important to advance the cause that I really believe in, um, you know, has been, on the whole, extremely invigorating and, and gratifying. And, and whatever the attacks are or the risks are or the price that, that um, I paid is, is definitely a price worth paying, given that this is what I went into politics and journalism in order to do. Well, and, and it is important journalism, and, and it has uh, helped to bring this important story that Edward Snowden certainly um, created a debate around uh, to the American people. And, and, and for that, uh, you certainly did something uh, enormous as a journalist. Uh, always great to have you on the program, Glenn. We wish you well and uh, hope to see you soon. Thanks so much, Mike. Really appreciate it. Uh, Glenn Greenwald, Guardian reporter and, of course, uh, the man who uh, spoke with Edward Snowden and uh, revealed the NSA surveillance program. We're back in a few minutes. The Michelangelo Signorelli Show on Sirius XM. XM.